The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including our own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about secure communications online. And, you know, that's kind of scary. We wonder about how secure our communications are and Sometimes people don't bother to encrypt and what they do. So I met this wonderful guy at the Poneman Institute when we went to the RIM conference in uh, Santa Fe. And I thought, wow, he has this incredibly interesting new company. And I thought we'd have him come on and talk about what, you know, what do we need to know about secure online communications and, and a little bit about his company since it's very innovative. So let me tell you a little bit about my wonderful guest who I met, who became a friend now, and that is Hiro Kataoka, who is the CEO of Hogo, Inc., that's H-O-G-O, Inc., which is a Manchester, New Hampshire-based startup that specializes in innovative security and communication solutions for online documents. And the company recently launched a cloud-based service to copy, protect, share and manage confidential and private documents. And it's unlike other kinds of file sharing sites, Hogo protects documents from unauthorized sharing and leaks even after the files have been downloaded, which is really important. And it makes it a complete end-to-end solution for privacy and security. So he has a lot of interesting background information about him too, because prior to founding Hogo, Hero successfully founded and ran a technology company on both sides of the Pacific since 1991, launching Dymatech Corporation and Boston Currents, a pioneer in the research of multi-core processors. So he is a techie. That I know from talking to him and learning from him when I sat with him back in beautiful Santa Fe. Hero has also served in executive management positions at publicly traded companies, such as NetSilicon and Digi International. You can learn more about him at our website at KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy, where you can see his picture and his bio and URL, so you can jump over to his website. But his website is hogodoc.com. So, Hero, it's so great to have you join us. Hi, Maria. Thank you for having me. Okay, so why don't you tell my audience a little bit about Hogo and why you decided decided to start it out? Okay, well, uh, as you uh, just mentioned, uh, we are a cloud-based document protection and sharing site. And our claim to fame, if you will, is that not only do we protect 
the documents on their way to your recipient, but it protects the documents after whoever you sent the document to has downloaded it. Uh, and really one of the big problems that um, I realized is that while we often take steps to use security, such as installing antivirus software or maybe using a secure browser, for example, when the browser window goes green, there's very little awareness and solutions for protecting the actual files and documents that we send. And often there's a lot of protection on the path. So, for example, if I send you something, yeah. the wire, if you will, between me and you is often encrypted. Right. However, once you have it, once the recipient has it, um, the document is out in the wild. And, you know, I think we've all been, um, you know, guilty of, um, you know, doing a forward email by mistake. Yes. Right? So, you know, that was one of the problems that I saw. Another was when I was um, actually uh, doing a, a prior company. Uh, this was another startup company in the technology field. And uh, we uh, received an inquiry from a very large overseas manufacturer about maybe doing some joint business together. And in order to move this discussion forward, we'd have to disclose a lot of confidential technology data. Right. So, of course, we signed a non-disclosure agreement, but, of course, you know, this other company being you know, much larger than us and also being thousands of miles away, you know, I was wondering, is there something I can do to make sure that uh, my documents, my technical data, doesn't go somewhere where it's not supposed to? Mm-hmm. And I looked around, and you know, there was really no technical solutions for that other than uh, some very expensive software from companies like EMC or Adobe that are really targeted at very large corporations with licenses starting at like tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right, because I use Adobe and I, I encrypt everything that I send to my clients, but I use Adobe and do that, but it's, it's not a cheap product. No. So, you know, that was one of the, um, the things that got me thinking about this problem. And more recently, uh, about a year ago, when I first started working on uh, this actual company called Hogo, uh, a friend of mine uh, had actually been developing digital rights management or copy protection software uh-huh. uh, for ebooks. As you know, ebooks, if they were freely copied, nobody would be able to make any money off of them, so there wouldn't be any ebooks. Right, right. Right, right? so it's a, a very important part of the ebook ecosystem. So he had this technology, and what we did at Hogo was uh, modified it and packaged it so that now anyone can use it to protect PDF files uh, from unwanted sharing, forwarding, leaks, right. or, you know, other uses that. Um, weren't intended. Right, right. So, you know, even even just the single user has that need, right? So um, let's talk, because I don't think people even recognize what some of those risks are when we're sending documents. I hate to say this, but I get documents from attorneys that are have very sensitive data in them. And you know, when I serve as an expert, and I'm just shocked that they don't come to me encrypted and, you know, I don't want to embarrass them. So I just encrypt when I send back and I tell them the password. 
my phone. So, you know, I don't think people think enough about how documents that are containing confidential, private, or personal information are really at risk. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I think, you know, there's definitely a lack of awareness and sometimes denial. So, for example, I get a lot of emails with attachments that have really important, maybe confidential information on it. And then there's this long disclaimer at the end of the email that says, well, <laughs> everything in here is confidential and um, you know, we must kill you if you ever disclose it and <laughs> on and on. Um, but how enforceable is that? Right. right. And, and the fact is, is that any legal recourse is after the fact. In other words, if something happens, then potentially there's some legal recourse, but it's too late. You know, when information's been disclosed, it's been disclosed. Um, and we overlook the fact that when we send something to someone, that that person, um, you know, could make a mistake. Uh, there was, um, you know, a recent finding, I think, in uh, one of the Pondemon Institute studies that said um, that a very large percentage of data breaches are actually you know, from mistakes, yeah. accidental. It's yes. not somebody trying to steal something or trying to leak something. They're often just mistakes. And how many times have you done this in, um, where you, you send, there's three Michaels or 25 Michaels that you know, and there's Michaels that their last name begins with an M, and maybe you have 10 of them in your contact file, and you think you hit the right one, but you didn't, and it goes to the wrong Michael, right? I mean, I've done that. Luckily, everything sensitive that I send is is encrypted, so they can't open it anyway, but they'll say, I think you meant to send this to somebody else, and I want to die. I don't do that any that much, but enough that I could just kick myself, right? And I'm admitting it, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one, right? Oh, yeah, I think we've all done it. Um, there used to be um, this you know, half rule, half joke about um, counting to three before hitting send. Yeah. <laughs> See, but we're, we're all in such a hurry, right? We're in such a hurry. We have instant, you know, uh, communications going on. We're in a hurry, and we just do it, and we don't do that three-second rule. But I think it's a great rule. And also yeah. to read it before you send it, because sometimes people will say something in an email that sounds very flippant or nasty, and they think they're kidding, but the person at the other end doesn't get it as a joke. That's right. And you know, because communicating has become so easy, yeah. um, I, I think that is one of the problems that we face, is that uh, communications has gotten just too easy, too casual, and that people are not taking the care. For example, in the days of typing something up, putting it in an envelope, Right, making right. sure it's addressed to the right person, right. has the right postage. You know, there was a whole process, a right. formality to it. That um, at each step, we made sure that we weren't making a mistake. Right. Um, but now it's just, you know, the mail software or Google will automatically fill in. You know, yeah. if I type in M, okay, Mari, you know, yes. automatically comes up. Well, I turned that feature <laughs> off because uh, that was one of my problems is it would pull up, it would start pulling them up. So I turned that feature off, so I actually have to type the name, and then I click on check name, because that's what was happening. I have so many people on my contact file that it would just pull up the wrong name. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's why I turned that one off. But you're right. It's crazy. 
Yeah, and there's a lot of tools out there, like, for example, Dropbox, or um, there's a company called uh, Hightail. It used to be called You Send It. Yeah, uh, I, which I are, use it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's become really easy to send a lot of files out there. And sometimes, for example, with Dropbox, you set up a Dropbox on the Internet, you put files up there, and then you share it, open it up to many people to come. And the problem is is that you lose track of, for example, who has access to your Dropbox now. Yes. And, again, Dropbox is encrypted. So, in other words, somebody else hacking into Dropbox would have a really tough time getting your data. Right. On the other hand, if you shared something with me on Dropbox, I just download your file. Right. And... I can send it to anyone. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's part of the thing that I think is overlooked. People concentrate much more on, well, is Dropbox safe from hackers? Well, they're a pretty big company now, and I think they're pretty safe. On the other hand, the weak link is the person on the other end. Yes. I mean, I may have no intent on leaking a legal document you send me. But I might do it by mistake. Right. Or, on the other hand, I, I could be somebody very, very, you know, I might be a spy for some, you know, <laughs> country, right. right? Right, right. We've already heard about that. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, for me, like when I use Dropbox, uh, Dropbox if I'm sending, um, you know, a, a, an MP3 file to you, for example, mm-hmm. so that you could hear that you're your radio interview or somebody else, then that's, that's not confidential. It's going to be on the radio. But I never would use it to send anything that's confidential unless I encrypted it. So let's talk about how easy you make things and how, how does it work, what you do? Yeah, so basically, um, you know, our service is a website. So you can create an account in literally about five seconds. All we need is an email address. And you set it up with a password. And once you've created an account, you can upload a PDF document. And when we receive the PDF, it's encrypted so that while we store that PDF, it's always encrypted. And then you specify where you want to send that document. And there's a couple of ways you can do that. One is you can specify an email address. And then that document will be tied to that email address. So, for example, if you send something to me, to my email address, I'll receive notification that you sent me a document, mm-hmm. and I'll open up uh, what's called a Hogo Viewer, which is available for uh, both mobile, so like iPads and iPhones, as well as PC. And I can view the document, but and I can download it, so I don't have to be online all the time to view it. But I can never forward it or you know, send it off to anyone else. And in fact, uh, if you wanted to, you can set permissions, like, for example, this document cannot be printed. Right. Or this document will expire in seven days. Right. So then, right. then it's gone. Yep. <laughs> or you can even change the expiry after the fact, so that, for example, you, know, you, can, say, you can actually take a document back you know, after you've sent it. Hmm. So, you know, for example... Um, you know, maybe in business, um, you know, you're working on a deal, but no deal happens. So you want to take back all of the confidential data that you've exchanged. Right. You know, it becomes possible now. And, you know, because this is just uh, a web application, um, it's very easy to use. Um, 
And you know, we've created tools so that you can manage all the files that you've encrypted and put up on to our server. Uh, you can manage uh, address books. So, for example, um, you know, people that you send a lot of documents to, you can put in an address book. Uh, you can check the history of what documents you sent to who. You know, the other way of sending is you can also create a web link. So instead of sending it directly uh, through an email notification, uh, you can also create a URL that can be perhaps like embedded on your website. Oh, or so kind of like Dropbox where you just put the URL in and then they yeah. go there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. And then the third way, uh, which um, is a feature really not targeted at end users, but other companies, for example, such as a, a company like Dropbox, if they wanted to implement the uh, copy protection or digital rights management features that we have, uh, we actually disclose our APIs that other service providers can call to do the encryption. So you know, they can call us, give us a file, we'll encrypt it, and deliver it for them. Hmm. So what about passwords? How, how does that work with you guys then, with passwords? Do I, do I need passwords to use all this, or how does that work? No, so when the file is delivered to your recipient, um, they can open it, and then that file automatically will check with our server when it's downloaded to see if it matches the email address uh, that it was uh, tied to. So in other words, there's no passwords. And that's one of the, uh, I think, important factors for two reasons. One is uh, ease of use, because I- I'm sure you realize that you know, passwords can be a, a real pain yeah. you know, to keep track <laughs> of, and you right. know, I'm always forgetting passwords. Right. Um, you need a little password management thing. <laughs> yeah. That, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other part of it is uh, passwords aren't that secure because if you encrypt something with a password and you send it to somebody, you have to also share the password in order for right, the other right. person to open it. Right. Which means the other person has both the password and the encrypted file. So now if they forward that along, you know, both pieces, the password and the file, then somebody else can open it. Let me ask you something. What if, so you talk about it's really email-based. So what if somebody hijacks my email? What, what if I'm, I've given my Gmail account and, and somebody hijacked that? How does that work? Um, well, right now we're using the email authentication. So oh, okay. uh, if somebody does hijack your email account, everything tied to that uh, is breached, uh, which is a completely separate um, risk right now because, as you know, uh, even features like Gmail itself is based on an email authentication scheme. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you forget your Gmail login, yeah. then there's a backup email address that they send you a new password to. Right, right. So it all depends. Um, it really relies a lot of the Internet and also you know, places like Facebook and LinkedIn. They all rely on your email being secure. Yeah. And that's, you know, a- another really big subject about how people need to really be careful about maintaining the security of their email. Yeah. Well, a lot of the time you can't be, you know, I've had people send out emails that I'll, it'll say click on this and I know never to do that and then they'll find out that their he- email was hijacked. Um, yeah. And and so sometimes, you know, you can't 
do anything about it if it's been hijacked. You know, not everybody's a techie, but um, it is an issue. But let me let me ask you another question. How about these small businesses that might be driving by and other startups? They they say, well, look, you know, we're not big enough to take any steps to, you know, really protect privacy. We're just a little guy. So uh, what do you tell them? Oh, it's the complete opposite. Because you're small, right, because you're a startup, it doesn't mean you get a free pass in the world, right? There's Everybody plays by the same rules, whether you're big or small. But the difference is the big guys have all the resources. Right. Right? <laughs> Exactly. So, for example, you know, if I'm a small company trying to do business with a big company, and I'm giving you know, my confidential information to the big company, and if they, for some reason, breach it, I don't know how successful I'm going to be suing them. Oh, you know, they certainly have. It, yeah. <laughs> yes, you know, they certainly have a lot more attorneys than I do. Right, right. Right. And you can't afford to. That's right. And on the other end, uh, if you're receiving private confidential information, you have a legal responsibility to make sure that you're handling it correctly. Yes. And so it goes both ways, and the little guy's really at a disadvantage. So my advice really is is that individuals, small businesses, you know, we really need to be aware, be careful, and take steps to make sure that we're safe. Exactly. Yeah. Now, you travel internationally, I know. Um, Soon you're going to be going to Japan to do some work. How is the landscape regarding privacy and information protection different abroad? You could you could probably speak not only to um, Asia, but probably some of the other places that you've visited. Yes. Um, in fact, um, recently, it's interesting because I'm finding that in places like, for example, Europe, uh, perhaps Japan, um, the awareness regarding privacy, uh, information protection, may actually be higher than it is in the U.S. Yes, yeah. Um, often we think that here in the U.S. Um, we're at the, the leading edge of everything Internet. But regarding privacy, I think we've been lulled into almost um, a false sense of um, security. And, of course, uh, the news about the NSA and the Snowden thing uh, yes. you know, raised a lot of awareness, and especially overseas, because... Um, you know, I think the reporting on that outside of America has been much harsher. Um, also, for example, in Japan, there was uh, some you know, very um, widely publicized uh, industrial espionage or you know, government leak cases that happened um, over the past uh, two years or so oh. that has had a lot of people talking about, yeah, intellectual property needs to be protected. Um, Confidential documents, um, if you're not careful, like, for example, the technical designs to the next generation um, smartphone can end up on a website yeah, for everyone exa- to see. Exactly. And, and so I think the awareness level um, is going up. And really, one of the things that I, I'd like to work on is to really educate people and empower people, both individuals, small businesses, as well as large businesses, about the risks. Look, you've got all these documents that are unprotected out in the wild, um, and now, you know, there is a tool. You know, the reason I got into this business was there weren't tools before that were easy to use and, you know, were inexpensive, but now there are tools, you know, to protect them. So why not? You know, we should be doing this. This is, you know, the responsibility factor, and, um, you know, it's kind of a passionate topic for me because um, um, privacy and information handling... Uh, goes both ways. 
and often we talk about, well, all these companies collect our private information, but what are they really doing with them? Um, and that's something that needs to be thought about. But on the other hand, uh, we all, every individual and every business that discloses sensitive information has a responsibility to at least uh, do its part to protect it. Right. And if they don't, there's some legal liability as well for security breach. Now, let me just ask you one last question. And we, we don't have a whole lot of time, but what do you see in the future uh, for information privacy protection? Do you have, since you're such a techie, and what are some of the things you see coming out? And, and kind of be short, because we don't have a lot of time, okay? All right. Well, I think um, probably the biggest thing that needs to happen and sorry to disappoint you, but it's not a very techie answer. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it really is going to boil down to a lot of transparency and trust. And really, individuals, small businesses that may not have been as privacy aware will become more aware and will use tools to be ultimately more responsible for their privacy. And I believe that this is important because um, you know, this responsibility issue is vital to the continued health of the Internet and the connected world. Right, and especially small businesses. And I think 90% of the businesses in this country are small businesses. And so they need to have something that's easy to use when they don't have their own IT people. And they need something that is showing that, they're, that they care about the sensitive data that's going back and forth. So we thank you so much, Hero, for joining us. Why don't you just give your website, and then it's going to be time for us to go. All right. Well, thank you for having me, Mari. And I can be reached at www.hogodoc.com. And I, and I think you also have um, a, a blog, too, don't you? You want to give that? Is that the same place? Uh, yes, that's on the same place. And, uh, you know, we also have um, uh, sites on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Google+. So if you look for HOGO um, and document protection, uh, we're out there. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And we will stay in touch, and, and good luck to you with your all of your wonderful things that are going on with HOGO, okay? All right. Well, thank you, Murray. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. There you can see our upcoming guests, download podcasts, listen to archived, archived interviews, and write us emails about what you're concerned about with privacy in the information age. Thank you so much for joining us and see you next week. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Frank, host of Prescriptions for Healing Conflict, which airs every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. right here on KUCI, 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm also so pleased to present the weekly segment of Orange County Sheriff News and Safety Tips, and we're welcoming back Georgia McFadden, who's been with the Orange County Sheriff's Department for 14 years, and she's a supervising radio dispatcher 
in the Sheriff's Emergency Communications Bureau. So thanks again for joining us. My pleasure, Marty. Well, you know, all of us worry about, you know, what do we do when we call 911? So maybe you could give us some insight about that. And if, you know, what make, if there's any difference when we use our cell phone, what kind of problems that causes, okay? I'll be happy to. There are a bunch of things I would love to tell your listeners, but we only have a few minutes. So let me highlight the most important ones. Please only call 911 for life or death emergencies. If you accidentally call 911 by mistake, stay on the line and tell the dispatcher you're okay and it was a misdial. If we can't recontact you, then we have to send deputies out to make sure you're okay. When you do need help for an emergency and call 911, be prepared to give your exact address and include any apartment and suite numbers. And remember to try to remain as calm as you can and listen to the dispatcher's questions. They ask them for a reason and this will assist us in getting you the help you need even faster. Yeah. As far as cell phone technology, oh my gosh, misconceptions from TV shows and movies make it look like dispatch centers have computers that will give us your location in just a matter of seconds. When in reality, it can take us up to 10 minutes or longer to get your estimated location from your cell phone carrier. And that's after we've taken the time to factina sheet for the information. Unless your phone has the GPS activated, the carrier can only give us an approximate location. And this can be from as far as a few yards away to as much as three mile radius of where you actually are. So it if you call 911 from your cell phone, please, if you can only say one thing, say the address. Tell us where you are. Once we have that, we get you help. And one last thing is the old cell phones that you like to give to your children to play with. They'll call 911 if there's a battery in it. So if you're going to give your old cell phone to your child, please remember to take the battery out first. Oh, that is important to take the battery out. Of it. Yep. But a lot of people don't even think about that. Well, thank you so much for joining us and keep up the wonderful work that you do for to help our whole community. Thank Thanks, Georgia. Thank you, Mari. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.